Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Strength and Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Rodenbush, the Director of Alumni Engagement for Recovery Centers of America. Today, I'm sitting down with Peter Gregory. Uh, he's our newest coordinator from Westminster, Massachusetts. And we're also pleased to have with us Marty Dunphy. She is our coordinator from Danvers, Massachusetts. And we are out in a country setting today. We are at our Westminster property. This is a former ski lodge in Westminster, Massachusetts. A beautiful uh, country property, I guess you could say. Tell us a little bit about this place, Peter. Sure. Um, It's a a former inn and a uh, lodging for the mountain right up the street, uh, Wachusett Mountain. And I, from what I understand, I was never a part of it, but I, they used to have people stay here and commute right up to the mountain and go skiing all day and they come back here and, and stay at the, the little, little homes around the property. It is, is absolutely beautiful. This is, is just several buildings and a very serene atmosphere. Um, uh, it's just gorgeous out here. It really is. A little colder than uh, other parts of the state. Uh, you get up into this mountain region, you can feel the difference. Yeah. Well, I'm going to let you pronounce that mountain because I would show right away that I am not from Massachusetts. This is where are we located. We're about um, 30, 40 minutes from... A half hour from Worcester. Worcester. Uh, North, I still say Worcester. North so. Worcester. Um, right near New Hampshire, not too far. Uh, little north uh it's new hampshire and by you you guys would say mountain (laughs) okay and you guys would say near lee lemonster but it looks like leo minster if you're from indiana like me there's some unique names around here you got to practice them lemonster yeah gloucester gloucester Gloucester, which is spelled gloucester gloucester yeah so uh, it's not very hoosier friendly i I could say that for pronunciation (laughs) <laughs> but very friendly to anyone pursuing recovery. I just think this is a beautiful spot. And and Marty, you're from Danvers, which is a little yep. closer toward Boston area. Correct. And yes. tell us a little bit yep. about that facility. Um, it's it's a beautiful facility. It's it's different than the Westminster facility. And the Westminster is very country country. And our RCA facility in Danvers is is like a beautiful five star hotel. It's gorgeous. It's welcoming. It's you know, it makes it makes the our patients feel really. Um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like they really deserve to have this kind Absolutely. of beautiful treatment, and it, it treats them, it greets them with um, excellence. I and, think what I what yeah. is remarkable to uh, about Danvers and stands out right away is the artwork on the walls. Yes, oh, yeah. you go in yeah. there and you just feel like wow, I'm I'm. I'm, I'm it's like museum. It is very much, yeah. And, and it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Very upscale and um, yeah. just a beautiful setting yes. as well. Yes, So yes. thank you guys for being with us. Um, want to talk a little bit about recovery today. And I, I think a great place to start is just what's your connection to recovery and the recovery community? What makes mm-hmm. you passionate about working in recovery? You want to start, Marty? Sure, yeah, I'd be happy to. Yeah, um, I think it's it's interesting because I never would have expected that I would be in this field uh-huh. you know I it wasn't something that I had um, thought about mm-hmm. in in my growing up but uh, as as my life uh, went on and I realized that my own uh, use of substances was taking over my life mm-hmm. I got kind of catapulted into this field 
So um, I came into recovery myself 26 years ago. And yeah, it's amazing. So it's, um, I'm very, very passionate about this. I started in this field um, and I've been in this field for the last 25 years. And um, I feel like when I see the light come on for some other person that is, is really working on their recovery and just starting out in here and they start to get that light in their eyes, I think that's what really uh, stokes my passion because I... When you see that happen, you 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 you, you get that feeling. And of, I I want the yeah. listeners to know you and your personality a little bit because right. uh, you have I, I'm going to call it recovery hair. Can I say that? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So <laughs> tell us about the hair. I want to okay. know. All right. I have purple hair. And purple is significant. And purple is the color of recovery. Absolutely. And um, it's funny. I went purple about three years ago. I was going to do it for just a couple days, and and it just became part of who I am. And now Absolutely. it's like, um, you know, that purple lady. I also carry a can of uh, lavender spray with me everywhere oh, I go. Oh my goodness, so that's so cool. When I do my groups, I everybody, where's the spray and uh, the tea and all that stuff? So it's yeah. And Marty is an incredible lady, and she has two cats. And Ira, oh, Ira, yes, yep, yeah, and uh, uh, yeah, just an amazing person and a yeah. real advocate for our alumni. And I'm so pleased to have you on the team. Thank you. And Peter, tell us a little bit about your connection to recovery. Sure. Um, somebody had an idea that it would be good for me to go to an AA meeting when I was 16 years old. Wow. Which I uh, bless them for having foreshadowing my future and my issues to come as far as needing recovery. So I'm sober 22 years. Um, I lived in Maine when I got sober. I had two friends from my adolescence that were sober that were a big part of my life and the support for me to get sober. Um, And I worked at a school, a boarding school up in Bath, Maine, and I was able to uh, start groups up there and work with adolescents in recovery and, mm-hmm. and coordinate rides to the meetings and um, do speaker commitments with some other alumni, things like that. Um, but for my personal recovery, I, you know, working here in this field has been so rewarding. I just like what Marty was saying when you see that look in someone's eye where they start to get it and they start mm-hmm. to understand um, what they need to do in order to maintain sobriety and and how we at RCA can help facilitate that in so many facets is really powerful. Um, so I just, I really, I just, this breathes air for me working at RCA mm-hmm. and uh, working with others trying to help mm-hmm. people get healthier. We were just in some training sessions today and we were sitting around and we just started talking about early recovery. We started talking about coping skills, and we said, "Wow, this is great! Let's let's turn on the tape and and do a podcast right now." And um, so I love that it was spontaneous, and I I think it's a really critical um, thing to talk about because I think, especially in early recovery, there's this fear of boredom. As a society, we are so plugged in; we are never disconnected right we we have social media we have podcasts we have regular media and you know if if we're not in a conversation we've got our earbuds in we are constantly connected to some sort of information source or or and when we don't have that and 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 when there's no substances involved and we're just alone with our own thoughts 
that can be a really scary place to be, especially in early recovery. And so talk to us a little bit about coping skills. What are your suggestions? How do we get through those moments that can be so anxiety provoking in early recovery? One of the things that I've I've um, seen is, and I've talked to our patients about, is that when we're using boredom, actually, to to early recovery is just like a lack of chaos. So it's about wow. trying to fill that spot, you know, trying to like it's it's real boredom is about listening to a speech from a hundred year old person, you know, blah 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 blah. But really, what we're looking at is a lack of chaos. So. For me and for our, a lot of our patients, that's what it was. And I think that just one of the things that was suggested to me early on and really works is that, you know, literally taking that moment. We talked a little bit about building hours mm-hmm. earlier. But I think taking that moment, taking a shower, the amount of time it takes to, to get undressed, take a shower, get out, take, get dried off, that really cuts a lot of that anxiety down yeah so i think that's one coping skill i think i want can you talk more about that chaos the chaos do we yeah. become do people become addicted yeah. to a chaotic life i think so and the yeah. toxic relationships yeah. and all of that that goes into it absolutely i think that that's that's really true from what i've seen and what i've heard from our patients too is like well I, you know i used to get up and i used to run for my drug or i used to run to the store i used to have to lie to get this and get that and that's a lot of work and, and it's the a adrenaline lot of that goes with that yeah and then when you get when you when you stop using you realize how much time it took to to do all that and how much of the chaos around it surrounded it Peter, yeah. do you find that to be true as well? And the energy yeah, yeah. that it takes to do that. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's, that's a great point you're making. The chaos, living in the chaos, being used to the chaos, <laughs> understanding you're getting good at the chaos. Mm-hmm. You, know, you, have, you learn certain skills with deception. And there's sauces. a certain amount of ego boost that yeah, comes with, like, I'm riding this wave that other people couldn't handle. Uh, it's, you know, lying to cover up the lies of the lies and, mm-hmm. you know, getting really slick about it. That's, that can be the scary piece. But my, my big thing is preparing ourselves for the next day or, you know, for our sobriety. I mean, early in sobriety, let's not just wait for something to happen to us. Let's prepare ourselves to activities or things we can do in order to be productive for the next day, especially. Uh, Think of a day ahead. So how do you do that when you're living a day at a time? Good point. Mm. Well, stick and stay in the day for sure. But I think, you know, just like uh, the end of the night, when you're thinking about preparing, remember, this is an outline of, of recovery for support, mm-hmm. is, you know, knowing where your meetings are going to be for the next day. Oh, that's uh, good. And not being afraid to put down three different meetings if you need them, or four. Or a friend of mine who early recovery was going to five a day, uh-huh. which whatever it takes, it doesn't matter as long as it's helping you in your, in your recovery. And uh, I told you my other thing, which which I, I help people in the 12-step groups here, is the IPSES, the I-P-S-E-S. Okay, to go slow with us. Yeah. <laughs> I learned this. The IPSES. Uh, IPSES. IPSES. So the I uh, is intellectual. So if I were to sit down with a group and we all would write down things that stimulate the, the intellectual or the intelligence in us, we would talk about reading, we would talk about documentaries, could be chess it could be so you're saying you've got this code ipsies what does ipsy stand for yep sorry intellectual physical emotional 
spiritual, and social. Okay. And so you're going to try to cover... have some sort of that represented in an sure. everyday? Like exactly. Like if you could do even thirty minutes a day in each one of those categories, you're, you know that's two and a half, three. You know, that's a, that's a big chunk of time. But the idea is to to have a variety of those uh-huh. in each one of those sections: intellectual. So physical. intellectual could be reading. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, 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 now it's listening to 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 a book you now yeah, or a podcast or. A podcast or um, <clears throat> you know, chess. It could be a lot of things. Documentaries, um, which I really love personally. Uh-huh. Um, I, I didn't have a prep list, but there's there's yeah. a lot of different things. You know, Matt, uh, Sudoku, or that. You know, that could be yep. one or various. Activities. And then the the P is P is physical. Like, hey, you know what? It's part of our recovery. Let's stay. Let's say focus on getting healthy and. I'm going to walk for 45 minutes every other day or every day. And you can't do 45, is. you can do 10. Yeah, exactly. Right. Just, it's just something is down there to get your mind moving beyond sitting there static, waiting, reacting to that chaotic thought process that happens early in recovery. So go back. Uh, uh, it, or a physical, well, now we have uh, spiritual. Spiritual. Spiritual, obviously. AA meetings could be one. Uh, big book readings, 12-step groups, church, you know, synagogue, anything to uh, yoga, uh, walking through the woods. You mm-hmm. know, it could be a lot of different things for that. Um, emotional. Emotional is a big one. I, I in the guys groups we struggle writing these out, yeah, but uh, not just watching the ET movie or something. But <laughs> you know, reading could be reading a book. It could be writing a journal. It could be writing a letter. It could be just something to 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 acknowledge your emotions. To acknowledge our emotions, mm-hmm. and um, that's good. The last one, social, which is a really, really important thing in sobriety because mm-hmm. a lot of us are in early sobriety are like, I'll never have a life again. Mm-hmm. I'll never mm-hmm. be able to hang out with anyone. And I think I wish people could see the other side to that of how much more social you can be and how much healthier and how, how much fun you can have. Yeah. Um, whether that's movie nights, whether that's cards, whether that's uh, sporting events, which I love, whether that's going to the meeting after the meeting uh whether that's uh bowling night with a bunch of people in sobriety there's so many things out there that that i wish people could see the results of before they you know before it happens because it's amazing it would, it would inspire us even more to stay sober yeah one of my sayings is the party isn't over just because you're sober uh. and uh you know that's that's been a big hit in there they look at you the the patients when you say that to them they look at you like I don't believe you you know really and so we talk a lot about that it's like I didn't get sober to be miserable you know Mm. and um there's so much fun to be had and they're like why are you always smiling I'm like oh well because it's easier to do that than to frown, you know, but it's basically because from the, you know, all the things that you just talked about, the spiritual, putting all those in, in balance is it gives you just a, a, a place of, of well-being, yeah. you know, so, yeah. That's a good point. Talk about the silence for a moment. And how do you get to a point where you've, you've run this chaos Maybe you were addicted not only to the substance, but also the lifestyle that come along with it. And now you have these quiet moments 
and and you're you got to deal with your you got to deal with those emotions you got to deal with maybe some hurt you got to deal with some pain what are some coping skills for those quiet moments one of the a couple i think would come to mind for me one of the first things that that i i got help with around that was praying and not necessarily religiously but just you know trying to identify and connect with a power greater than myself so that I didn't feel alone when I was quiet. Mm. You know, so I didn't feel like I was like by myself when mm. I was quiet. I think that was what I was most afraid of with silence is, you know, just like who else is there? Or what else is there? Um, eventually, I was able to start a really short meditation. This sounds scary to people. They kind of freak out, but it's a meditation that I get in the morning and it's got a little bit of music behind it and an inspirational guide for Mm -hmm. the day. So it's like that kind of helped me to sit in the silence a little, going to the ocean, going to um, to the woods. Like there's never actually complete silence. Mm. So taking like some, some, relaxing peaceful places and putting him in the place of the chaos i think i definitely had to do that and how do we talk to men about that because i think Mm. for better or worse i think we have we have gender roles and we have these stereotypes and men you just said earlier we're not good with emotion so how do we get to the point where we can at least discuss these things Wow, that's a great question, and uh, I would—I'll share from my point of view, my perspective mm-hmm. as a male—that uh, I, uh, you know, one of the early things I remember hearing in, in sobriety was change of thought, move a muscle. So, like when I'm mm-hmm. sitting there in, in dead space, or or mm-hmm. something's popping in my head that shouldn't be, right? Early, especially early in sobriety, yeah. that always helped me. It's like change, change the thought, move muscle. Get up, do something physical. Pick up the phone, make a phone call. Yeah, and I think that's I think that is the key in early uh, recovery for males is that lifting that two thousand pound uh, phone to make to reach out, and make that phone call, and knowing that having a thought doesn't mean failure exactly, mm-hmm. and knowing uh, that the person on the other that end of that phone understands exactly what you're going through and is helping them just to talk to you about their situation and how they went and felt when they uh, were in early recovery, which gives you a little more relief and understanding mm-hmm. that you're not alone. Mm-hmm. And so the cycle continues. And that, I think that's important. I had a friend call me once. Uh, he talked about using marijuana, and he wanted me to know that he wanted to share it with me. And he, 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 he was sober for two or three years, and... He felt really guilty that he thought about using marijuana. And he told his wife, who's very angry at him, that he thought about using marijuana. I'm like, uh, you know, bless you for think for talking about yeah. this. And I would tell you, you know, I would say if I was talking to your wife, who I know, I would say, hey, it's healthy for him to do that. At least he told you that he was thinking about Absolutely. using that. That's going to help him in the long run. And, you know, I've heard it said, like, a pigeon can land on your head it doesn't mean you have to let them build a nest ah, right like, like you yeah. can swat those can, things yeah. away you know you may not be able to control the thought coming in mm-hmm. but you can control it becoming implanted yeah and taking charge of your thoughts yeah. and, and 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 
doing something else and just saying this doesn't have to control me can be a, a really I think that's a it's a coping scale yeah. right but it also puts you back in in control yeah and in the driver's point. seat and I think so much of the time that's what we're looking for is just that sense right. of I can control a little bit right we're not going to be able to control the big things but some of those small things we can move the muscle right Yes. And taking the thought and giving it to somebody else keeps it from becoming an action. Oh, that's good. You know, so it's like you're giving it to someone else, you're putting light on it. And I, I mean, you know, that way it doesn't be, you know, a thought can go around a million times in your head and eventually become an action. And so how do we talk to loved ones yeah. and be like, you oh. don't have to be scared that I'm going to go back to active addiction because I have a craving or because I do occasionally have some stuff I got to work through. That's I, why I have a sponsor. So I tell okay. my sponsor instead of my sister, you know? Yeah. So she doesn't want to jump out a window. So it's like, that's why we have that, that recovery family. Mm-hmm. You know, you get rid of all that there. I think that that's kind of how I use it. What do you think? I, I like that. <clears throat> I have a few people I bounce ideas and thoughts off of yeah. before I tell my girlfriend or loved ones. Yeah. Uh, but again, my my thing is honesty is the key to everything. Yeah. It's like if I'm being honest and I'm really putting out there what I'm saying or what I'm feeling or mm-hmm. what I'm struggling with, respect that. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah. I think it's it might be an opportunity for me to grow too uh, and learn from why am I feeling that way? Why am I craving something? Or why am I mm-hmm. thinking about doing something? And it's an opportunity as a couple or as a family to maybe get some help, get a third party, get some ca- so to understand sure. the family portion of the recovery, right? Yeah. And that this is a normal thing, and it doesn't always mean that they're going to go right back to active addiction. Right. Correct. That's true. I think it's a process for everybody. Yeah. What's some more coping skills? Let's talk about that some more. Unpack that. I love, you know, I think... Um, Besides the Ipsies, which is a really helpful one, I music is so important in my mm. life now that I don't think in my active addiction or alcohol, you know, or, or use, I don't think I, I think I took it for granted, music in general. So I use music now as multifaceted to put me, pick me up, bring me down. <laughs> are, there, are there times where the type of music has to change? Maybe it's a trigger for someone what if they say, hey, you know, a lot of people say it wasn't the substance for me. It was the music that led to maybe a trip, you know, mm-hmm. all of that. How do, you, how do the, you incorporate that same thing in a different way? That's a great point. I, I actually try to get people thinking about my groups before they leave treatment to get a sober song in their head. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So, and that's not easy. And, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's you know I, I, it's hard to do especially when we we don't have a catalog of music right in front of them but it's something I try to you know I have I have a sober song I, I have a song that helped me early in sobriety that uh, to this day when I hear it just picks me right up. Mm. Um, Will you share it with us? I mean, sure, it's called it's it's a song by. <laughs> It's pretty funny because it's by the Grateful Dead, which a lot of people <laughs> would say, "How can you have How a can song? That be your sober song?" And uh, it's amazing. I have a, I've got a unique story behind this. If you have a little time, I we can do. tell you. So the song's called War Frat, mm-hmm. and it's about uh, someone being way down, way down on the, you know, in their life and picking themselves up and 
one of the lines is, I'll get up and fly away, meaning I'll lift my spirits and I'll, mm. I'll get over the, I'll, I'll grow from this. Mm-hmm. So for about 13 years of my sobriety, I thought I was the only human being that used that song to, inspire, to help keep motivated in sobriety. And I'm reading about it. I, I named my dog Aug West for one of the characters in the song, Aug, oh which is August West, which they sing about. And so I named my dog Aug West. And anyway, 13 years into my sobriety, I, I'm, I'm researching it for some I think I was doing a, a journal about the character Aug West or, or Jerry Garcia or something. And I found out that there's... And I've been going to Dead Company shows, not Grateful Dead. They were past, uh, Jerry already passed. But I still go to shows back then. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know that they had a group of people at these shows uh, for sober people called the Wharf Rats. Oh, my God. Which is the name of my song, the name of the song. And they were, so the next, very next time I went to a Dead & Company show, I, I followed the yellow balloons and it was a uh, bunch of sober wow. people out of tent, you know. So the yellow balloons represent to them the, 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 the yellow brick group. road, the <laughs> wharf rats, and the, and the sober cool. sober people wow. there, which is kind of unique because I'm hearing more about uh, venues having sober Absolutely. sections and yeah. things, which is kind of exciting to hear it's about. Very exciting. Um, Just reducing that stigma. Yeah, yeah that's awesome. It's, it's exactly it's and letting people know, and I think that's what's so important about alumni is. And, and what we do as the Alumni Association of RCA is just creating sober opportunities for fellowship mm-hmm. and getting out in our communities and letting people know there is fun in recovery. Mm-hmm. And, a lot of um, fun. Yeah. That's important. Yeah. Marty. Yes. You've got a great sober song. Will oh, you I talk do. us through that? Ah, yeah. Well, I, I was a musician before I got sober, so that was my... Um, walk in life and I, I write a lot of music I've written music since I was uh, in high school it was yeah. like my therapy for myself and when I got sober I was still uh, a musician I was still playing out and doing gigs and stuff like that and I was really and that can be really tough oh yeah that was scary talk about a musician's life yeah. who oh. opts to be sober yeah so it was really there were two things that really scared me about it one uh-huh. was that I didn't think I'd ever be able to write another song because oh, I thought the creative energy. Yes, because I thought my creative energy came from substances. That that was like I need to do this to do that, and so I I thought writing was over, and I didn't think I would sound right, and I didn't think I'd have the um, ability to play in front of people. That you and, couldn't perform sober. Exactly, exactly. Oh. So my first sober gig was actually while I was in treatment. So I was in a PHP program, and I had to do this. Um, this saw this gig and I, I'm like I was terrified and I I went and did it I had some you know my family came and supported me and stuff like that but I had people come up to me afterwards and say wow you really sounded extra great tonight and da 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 and I'm like really I'm like it was shocking to me wow. it was shocking I did come out of that business because I mean that business is just revolved around alcohol and partying and stuff like that and then I came into the recovery business and I ended up starting to write songs for a, a women in recovery celebration that we used to have mm-hmm. every year and um, I, I wrote a song called uh, Rising Up 
And um, it was, I call it my God song. I don't even take credit for it. It just kind of came in me and out me. And we actually recorded it uh, in a studio for us. We, we sold the singles for the program that I was running at the time for wow. women and children with domestic violence and substance abuse. So that's kind of, so I found out that I could write even better and, and my songs were not so dark and they were much lighter and uh, uh, a more present. Yeah. Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you both so much. And Marty has agreed to let us play her song mm-hmm. um, for the listeners today. Oh. So we um, we will uh, end today's program with Rising Up by Marty Dunphy. And we're so excited um, to, to get to share this song with you. And if anyone you know needs help today, please reach out. Call 1-833-RCA-ALUM, R-C-A-A-L-U-M, and and get help. Reach out to Peter, reach out to our alumni team, reach out to Marty. These are people who are standing by, ready to get you the help that you need. And maybe that doesn't look like inpatient treatment, but maybe it looks like a sober fellowship. And that is available to you through Recovery Centers of America. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, for being with us today. And uh, let's listen to Rising Up. Well, I started up just having fun. I was making it okay. And everyone was moving on. All that I could do is stay. I could never see how I could be just like everybody else No, I needed something they can't understand Never fail I'm rising up, walking through the fire I'm rising up Well, the crazy nights Forgotten fights God would know what else All the times I woke up Somewhere between Here and only here I spent many years Excusing, blaming All this off on you Till I took a look inside this poison shooting through I'm rising up Walking through the fire Grabbing on To the hands reaching out for me I've had enough I've given up all the dreams I have inside I'm taking wings I'm Do it either way, oh, but I believe I wouldn't 
for listening to the Strength and Recovery podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please tap the subscribe button and leave us a review. We love hearing from our listeners and hope to reach more of you out there as we continue to share these incredible stories of recovery. The RCA alumni team aims to provide a safe, supportive environment for those in the recovery community, regardless of their affiliation with RCA. We host a full calendar of virtual and in-person meetings seven days a week, 365 days a year, as well as free sober events every month. To learn more about what we do, find us at rcaalumni.com. Remember, if you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, pick up the phone and dial 1-833-RCA-ALUM. Help is available 24-7. Listen to another episode now or join us next time for the Strength and Recovery podcast.